Welcome back to He Says, She Says, God Says, the podcast where God is at the centre of marriage. Hello, Benjamin. Hello, Emily. How art thou today? Cold. It's the middle of winter here in Adelaide. We're not loving it. No, we're not. We're not really winter people, are we? Uh, Unless there's snow and snowboards involved. Mm, Then we're winter people. Anyway. Enough of that. We are today talking with a couple, young in spirit, but very experienced in age. They've been married for over 64 years, John and Hetty, and it really is a really fascinating insight into what 64 years worth of marriage looks like. Yes. I wonder what we'll look like after 64 years of marriage. Do you think we will have their spirited and fun-loving nature towards each other like they do. I sure hope so. Yeah. They are a very, very cute couple. And oh, when they're we, gorgeous. And when we see them on a Sunday, they are you can just tell they're totally in love with each other still yes. after 64 years. And I was just dying to talk to them <laughs> about how they kept that spark alive for 64 years. So it's a pretty interesting tale. It's a fascinating one too because if you think back 64 years ago, the world was very different, different Mm. in terms of just society in general, different in terms of lifestyle standards. I mean, you know, there was no electricity, I think, when they first got married. Uh, No No dishwashers. Our dishwasher has leaked all over the floor. Now that's caused a major meltdown in the Campbell household. They didn't even have a washing machine to start with. And they lived in one room. Lived in one room. It really is a stark contrast to where we are today or Mm. where most people are today. Yes. It's definitely worth listening to just to understand that. But it is a real love story tale. Oh, yes. I love it a lot. I think this will challenge some people in John and Hetty's thinking about roles and responsibilities. Yes. But it works for them. It does work for them and clearly it would have changed over the years. That was his thought and he does acknowledge that things are a little bit different now. So he does see that and that's really cute. But I want everyone to listen out for the mushroom soup (laughs) incident. (laughs) The mushroom soup incident. Yeah, that was one that challenged me for sure. But it is a fascinating insight into life, love and marriage over more than six decades. Yeah. This does go a little longer than our normal episode. We did actually end up splitting it into two, but the part that we split off was more about their relationship with God and the miracles. So we've put that on the Revival on the Air Today podcast, and this part is really just about their relationship and their marriage. So stay tuned. If you can't sit and listen to the whole thing in one sitting, hit the pause button and come back because it is a story well worth listening right to the very end. Absolutely. Over to John and Hetty. John and Hetty, welcome to the podcast. Harriet. Harriet. It's Harriet, isn't it? That's right. Everybody knows you as Hetty, but your name's really Harriet. That's true. Okay. So John and Harriet, welcome yes. to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having us. <laughs> now, I'm really excited to hear part of your story, particularly about marriage, because you have been married since 19... Forever. forever. Since 1955, 55. I think you said? It would be 54 when I first met her. So what does that make? It's 64 yeah. years. Is it 64 years? Or more, yeah. Yeah, 64 years. Time. 
That's a, <laughs> there'll be a few younger listeners. So back in 1955, that was when the first McDonald's store opened in 1955. Is when Disneyland opened. That's a long time ago. That's the and there was no televisions in them days. No televisions. And wireless sets when we was young, they was run on batteries and accumulators. And it was when the first Guinness Book of Records was printed. <laughs> you could be in that, I <laughs> think. <laughs> yeah, but you think about, about it, yeah. And you've recently celebrated your 90th birthday, haven't you, John? The 90th, yeah. yeah. 90th. I was born in the roaring 20s. Yeah. And I don't know how old I am. <laughs> We're not going to, we won't talk. We, no one ever should reveal a lady's age. And, and uh, in those days, when I was a kid, we had no electricity in the houses. It was all gas mantles. Yeah. And the kids today, with the computers and all the electrical things that they used, I don't know how they would get on. It's a different world, isn't it? But we, oh, used, to, we used to play what they called yeah. games. And children in, in my days were learnt to grow up. You was a child, then you became a youth, then you left school, you started working, you became a man. Yeah. And you got your long trousers then. You got your long trousers. Yeah, yeah. you was a man. So where did you two meet? We worked together. Do you work together? Okay. Yes. Yeah. And he came out of the forces and he got a job at the same place where I'd worked for a long time. Okay. And how old were you both then? Oh, old. Yes, it would have been old. No. You'd have been about 18, I think. Somewhere on there. Was, I was 25. I'm six years older than you, so you was 18, I was be 24. Okay. Yeah. And you'd come out of the Navy, hadn't you, John? I'd just come out of the Navy then, yeah. yeah. I'd spent uh, a couple of weeks on deep drainage with my brother just to get me into work, you like, from out the Navy. And I was going to go into the trawlers with my elder brother. He was an engineer on the trawlers, and I was going to go fishing with him. But as it's happened, the winter months came in, and as I went to work in this paint factory, and it was a Monday morning, and I went down to the tea trolley. I was up in the pug room. I was a pugger. Pugger. What's a pugger? Pugger is a, as a person who mix all the colours okay. and all the all the pigments and yeah. all the oils and varnishes into a mixer, and he pugs it together, and that goes into the uh, rolling mills where it goes through big rollers, and all the little pigments are all squashed and flattened. Then it goes into the ball mills where it goes into the big place where all the big stuff's added to it. Yeah. And if I've made a mistake, it's all wrong. But it was a Monday morning and I went down to the tea trolley for a cup of tea. Let's explain it's tea trolley because they don't exist anymore. Well, it's a lady who comes around with a, a cart with a tea urn on it. Yes. And cups and things and also biscuits and sandwiches and things like that, which you can buy. And she come through the factory floor with this trolley and everybody meets her and they get the cups of tea and things off the trolley. And I was standing there and who should come walking across the factory floor but this black-haired raving beauty? <laughs> that was me. That was you. <laughs> yeah, now you're a silver-haired raving beauty, right? Not a black-haired raving beauty it's anymore. She's no longer black. <laughs> she hasn't changed one little bit to me. She's still a little black-haired raving beauty to me. And I went straight from the tea trolley upstairs to my mate I was working with up there and I says, I've just seen a bird down the bottom there at the tea trolley. I says, next time I see her, I'm going to chat her up. <laughs> and he took me to pictures. Yeah, but no, you're jumping the gun now, Etty. What did you think of John when you saw him? First? What did I think of him when I saw him? I don't think anything. <laughs> I just sort of... Uh... I was there. Yeah. 
And I'll tell you the I'd reason why. I worked in this factory for quite some years, about three years, I think I'd worked in there. And he just used to come over and offer me my cup of tea. And we used to go in the canteen and he always used to come and sit next to me and give me my cup of tea. Mm. <laughs> I know. No. It's in the yeah. head. I'd imagine your head it's all wrong. So anyhow, I said to my mate, next time I see that pair, I'm going to chat her up. I started staying dinners and me and Bert, we loved a game of darts. We played darts and the door opened and in came Etty with their mate. And my mate says to him, do you want a game of darts? And they says, oh yeah. So we started playing darts. Now Etty moved over to the scoring board. So I manoeuvred round. I went round to, towards Etty and I says to her, how about you and me for the movies tonight? <laughs> Fish and chips afterwards. I thought, that's got to get it. <laughs> and she looked at me and she smiled and she flashed her left hand with an engagement. We got it. Oh. And she was engaged. Oh. And I said, whoa. Oh. Sorry, baby. And so I backed off. I thought, well, that's all my dreams were smashed. Up to then, she would have been my third girlfriend. The first one, she let me down when I went to the Navy. She asked me if she'd mind if I, yeah, if she went out with boys while I was away. I said, no, not at all. But I said, don't expect me to be here when you come back. So anyhow, that one finished. And then another one I met and she, by the time I came back from abroad, she was already married. So that was that one out the way. And all was left was Etty. Beautiful And there she Etty. was, she was engaged. So then this bloke came up one of the foremen at the factory, and he says to me, hey, listen, Johnny, he says, oh, we're starting a concert party up for the factory. He says, how about you coming in late? And I says, what to do what? He says, well, you're a bit of a comic. He says, you'd be a bit of a comedian or something or other. I said, no, I don't think so. He says, that bed up in the printers, Harriet, oh. she's going to be in it. I says, what's she doing? He says, oh, she's a high-kicking chorus girl. <laughs> I says, I said, you can put, <laughs> I said, you can put me down for that and my mate as well. He's going to volunteer. So we went on rehearsals. And after about oh, two or three or four weeks, something like that, um, we used to stop and have a cup of tea and biscuits on the night after rehearsals. And Etty stopped this night and I looked and the ring had gone. Oh, I oh, thought, hey, the ring had gone. So Whoa. get in there, kid, while you and strike while the iron's hot. <laughs> <laughs> and so I manoeuvred around again to Etty. Yeah, and she packed him in. Yeah. Why did you pack him in, Etty? Because he'd got another bird in. He was in the Air Force. Yeah. Uh, not Air Force. He was, he was in the Air Force. In the Forces. Air Force he was in. Okay. He was in the Air Force and he had a girlfriend over there. Right. And he had me when he came home. <laughs> and I found out because of something or other. It was a football match. Instead for the football match. <laughs> anyway, I um, packed him in. You don't go with me and go with somebody else. Because at that particular time, he was in a different city. London. He was down stationed in yeah. yeah. That wasn't his hometown, but it's where he was stationed. Yeah. Yeah. And he used to come home and he used to rule the roost. He used to say, oh, no, he says, we're going to football today. And I said, no. I said, I don't want to go for it. I want some movie I want to see. I said, you know, you're coming home. Oh, no, 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 we're going football. And, ah, oh, he got up my nose because <laughs> I didn't like football at all. <laughs> Lucky for John, you don't like football. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I played rugby. <laughs> yeah. I only went once and it was terrible. So anyhow, I said to her, so I about the movies tonight then and we went to see 
the Troubling Store. Troubling Store, yeah. At the Dorchester, the posh cinema in Hull. Yes. And it was Norman Wisdom. Norman Wisdom, yes, that's right. Yeah. You've got a good memory, Joe. Oh, actually, I've never forgot anything with your dad did. Oh. <laughs> so you better be careful what I'm saying. <laughs> also, I'll tell you what, we should listen to the music around the back of the club. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sweet, sweet well, music. we never used to go in the clubs. No, of course we didn't. We no, just used to... Better things to do then. We just used to go around the back and listen to them doing all the singing and that. Yeah. So how long did you date for before? Not very long. Not very long? No, I know it was only a matter of about, oh, I think, I think six months. 20 years. Six months, <laughs> yeah. No. You're Arthur, he was going out to Singapore, wasn't he? Who's Arthur? Me, my brother. Oh, your brother, right. Okay. Arthur, yep. yeah. Yeah. He was the next one to Etty. In those days, you had to register so many months before you actually got married. Right. And it was all sort of very spooky, wasn't it? Yeah. So we got a special license. Yeah, out. you had to get, yeah. We had, took a special license out. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, so Arthur was our best man at the wedding. Yeah. And our honeymoon was at, at the movies. We loved the pictures. We loved the movies in them yeah, days. Yeah. Everybody did. Yeah. There was no televisions in them. And it was a night out. Get one. that photograph. Oh, no, that one over there, John. That's me with our first eldest child. Oh, the one on the mantelpiece here. The one in the... Yeah, room. okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, that's forward a few years, isn't it? We haven't, you haven't even got married. So you've just got married. So yep. you got married in the registry office. Got, got married in the so registry office. in 1955. And then, as I said, the war hadn't been over all that long. Yeah. And Hull was, was a, the heaviest bomb city in England. So Hull is the city yeah, that but, you um, both grew up in or...? Well, it's both actually the time. called Kingstown upon Hull. Right. Okay. And they should sit right down to Hull. Yeah. 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 And it was the heaviest bomb town per capita yep. city. And um, yeah, we went to get a room and it, well, it was a dumb bonnet. Oh, that, yeah. And it was £5 a week. So this was after you were married. This is when you, so you got married and this is the place that you were, yeah, you'd yeah, moved into. Yeah. Yeah. And was living at my mother's for a start off. Yeah. And then we went to get this room on Beverly Road and it was downstairs and we looked out the back window and there's all that rubbish in the garden. Oh, oh yeah. So it was £5 a week. How much were you earning back then? And so and the wages was £5 Right, so all of your me. wages went on your rent. And women was paid less yeah. than men. So Well, that still happens today. Wages, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Some things haven't fully changed yet. Yeah, well, they should be, you know. Yeah. So anyhow, we had a look at this room and I said, listen, how about us moving down south? I said, because I had two brothers who had gone down south. Um, one went to Kettering, old Trevor, and he mm. went for a BHP. And my other brother, Fred, he was... I can't think of the place where he was, where he lived. But we was going to go there Kettering. To, sorry? Kettering. Kettering is where our uh, Trevor lived. And uh, so we decided we'd go to where our Freddie lived. And look, just pot luck, we packed the bags and we got on the train and away we went. Yeah. And we finished up in London and we was looking down the list of destinations and I came across this one, Leicester. And that was near Kettering's near Leicester. Yeah. It's in Northumberland. And so I said to her, actually, I said... Blow it. Let's go to Leicester and give that a try. And we, yeah, so we got on the train and off we went. And, yeah. So you just moved like that? Just like that. Just like that, yeah. yeah. Leicester is spelled L-E-I-C-E-S-T-E-R. I used to live in Leicester. When my wife and I first got married, we lived in Leicester Street. Oh, right, yeah. Here yeah. in Adelaide, so 
Well, Leicester Street was just round the corner from me, which was bomb. Yeah, right. But anyhow, going back to Leicester, we got there. It was a Saturday, Saturday morning, and I went through the city centre. Beautiful place, looked lovely. Yeah. We loved it first sight. Anyway. Went in the hotel, didn't we, for a drink? No, went to Lewis's upstairs, up top floor, Lewis's, into the restaurant. Yes. And we asked that girl about the, well, you know, if she knew anywhere where there's rooms to let or rent or whatever. And she says, go to the horse fair gate. And she says, there's an information bureau there. She says, they've got a list of rentals and houses for to let and all that. And we found it, but we didn't know where the districts were, did we? When no. We <laughs> and so uh, the night was drawing on. Yeah. And we finished up uh, up London Road, near the, the Victoria Park, nice area. And we went to the this house, we knocked the door and we says, uh, do, do you rent rooms here? She said, he says, oh yeah. And uh, they took us in there and we looked at it and it was a dirty place inside, but we'd nowhere to go that night. No. So we says, yeah, okay. He says, well, there's no sheets for the beds. So he says, well, okay, then we'll go down to Lewis's and we bought some sheets from there. That's right. And when we came back and knocked the door and nobody answered. No. Nobody answered the door. So there I was, down the bottom of these stairs, with Nettie bawling her eyes out <laughs> with the sheets. With <laughs> some sheets, but nowhere to put, no bed to put them on. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I said, sit on that case. I said, don't move. And I went down the road to St. James's, and I went round the corner for about the second or third house, knocked the door, and it was a Polish lady, Mrs. Yeah. Jurevich. Jurevich, that's Mrs. Jurevich. Yeah. And I said to her, have you that's got a room? a long time ago. Oh, Etty. <laughs> it was if it was yesterday. And I said, have you got a room? And she says, yeah. She said, have you got any children? I said, no, 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 no. So we're just married. So she says, oh, that's okay. So I said, I'll just go and get the wife and the, and the bags. She says, all right. And I came back, got Etty. And off we went, I'm living it, Etty, I'm living it. <laughs> and up the stairs we went to, to, to this top front room. Yeah, yeah. And so did she have a sign up saying that it was a room for You just no, knocked no, on a door. I just knocked on the door. Wow. And took a chance and Wow. Yeah. And the charms were still there. Was that normal back then? I think today that would never happen, but I don't think it was normal. It was desperation at that point. Yeah. I thought, what we're going to do? So she was bullying. I went round, just knocked the door and yeah. Okay. And we stayed there for uh Oh, yeah, well, we went out for a walk on the next day, Sunday, and we had a walk around the city and we found the doll office where, you know, where... Information centre. Not, not information centre, the doll office where you go to sign on. Oh, right, yeah. And I went there on the Monday morning and the uh, bloke gave me a pink slip to go to Lewis's of all places mm. to see a Mr Nobby Clark. And, yeah, I went up there with three other lads and it started us all on. It was an extension on Lewis's that was going ready for Christmas. So that was our construction site, Construction, wasn't it? Yep. yep. And next morning when I turned up, I was the only one. The three. No one else came back. But he came back. Why didn't they come back? Well, it was too hard for him. I oh, think. it was a tough job, was it? Yeah. Yeah. And it was Nobby Clark. He was the general foreman of the site. And he was a bloke who liked his uh, pound of flesh, you know, for a day's work. And I had, no, I had no problems with that. I imagine that was pretty common back then. I mean, yeah. people worked you pretty hard. That's right. I remember my grandfather telling me about, you know, yeah. some of the work practices back then. No, 40 hours a week. No. We used to work for anything from 60 to 70 a wow, week. Wow, okay. Overtimes, you know. Yeah. And that's what got us on our feet. The overtime hours. The overtime yeah, hours. Okay. And it goes a bit of money in the bank and we had no problems, me and Etty. If we had problems, we solved them together. 
I used to punch him on the nose. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> so talk to me about solving problems. That was the things that, that kept us together. Yeah. Was solving the problems with no mothers or fathers to turn to or brothers and sisters. We was on our own. Yeah. And we used to sit down and we'd talk about it. And I came home from work one day and she says, you've got to get on to me for this. I says, for what? She says, I've bought a carpet. I said, a carpet? She says, yeah. <laughs> She brought this carpet out and she says... It was a rug. It was a rug. It was a rug. And she says, I said, how much is that? Then she says, it's going to cost you one and six a week, was it? Something like that. It was on the HP. Yeah, I purchased. Power purchase, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it's, it's going to cost you one and six a week. And how much was one and six a week in terms of what you were earning? Well, I should say about 15 cents, something like that. Yeah, maybe not that much, maybe 10 cents. One was a shilling, which was 12, 12 pence. 12 pence. And six, one and six were sixpence. Yes. Yeah. So that's how much it cost. So not a lot of money. No, no lot of money, no. It was then. Yeah. And so, so I said to her, well, do you like the rug? So she says, yes. And Mr Adams was the bloke. Oh. Yeah, Mr Adams, he was yeah. the bloke who... Soldier Whip. Yep. And we kept him right up to the day we left Leicester and came out to Australia. How many years was that? 14. 14 years. 14 we had years Mr. we had him. And he was a great bloke, wasn't he? Mr. Yeah. Adams. And we bought little things that we could afford at the time. So talk to me how important communication in your marriage. Oh, communicate. Listen, people today, they don't know how to talk to each other. They've got these telephone. We don't have them. We don't need, we don't need a telephone to get you up to see where she is in the store and all that lot. I know where she is. She's alongside of you. We're together. We've always been together. If we've ever wanted anything, then we've always talked about it. I said to her about getting engaged when I first met her. Yeah. And she says to me, I don't want an engagement, Mick. I've had one of them. And they didn't work out very well. That's right. <laughs> and so I, says, I says, not with me. She says, no. She says, in, in your case, she says, I'll have a washing machine. <laughs> Yes, I said, yes. What? She said, I'll have a washing machine. Yeah. Instead of an engagement ring. She said, that was Etty. Yeah. And that's what I loved about her. That was me. And so she got a washing machine. In the and end. she was happy and you were happy. Yeah. Because you communicated about what you wanted. But you see, this is another thing. When, when this, this, I'm jumping ahead now, but it's when we got the kids and I used to come home and I used to ring them nappies out for you. Yes. We used to have cotton nappies. Now these are cloth nappies back then. Not these throwaway things, you know, that you had to wash them out. Beretta used to put a, a sheet of paper in and where it used to catch the, and then she used to just dip it into the toilet, didn't you? Oh, so it was like a nappy liner. It was a nappy yeah, liner. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And so she says, look, you're wringing the nappies out too much. You're twisting the cottons. Yeah. <laughs> so she says, can you buy me a ringer? So I says, give me a couple of weeks and you'll have your washing machine. Yeah. And so a couple of weeks she waited. Yeah. And so a ringer back then was a roll, like a two rollers, wasn't it? Yes. It was a power glide. They called it the Power Glide. Yeah. And what it was, it was two rollers. Two rollers. And it was a washing basin, but the old thing that went... Yes. Switched around. And at the floor, there was a pedal. And when you put your foot on the pedal, the roller started to go around. Yes. And you'd feed the washing and you fed the garment or whatever it was. <laughs> and then it'd squeeze the water out. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And that was, yeah. that was a washing machine. Yeah. And she thought she was the kingpin with that, didn't you? <laughs> Well, I was say, yeah. But then that was when we got the house. It was getting the house that was the our biggest problem. Oh, yes, yeah. it is for most. Because I'm jumping again. What happened was the 
Tour, which is every Friday night or Thursday, whatever it was, she used to go pay Mrs. Jorowitz the rent. And Mrs. Jorowitz used to give her either a little packet of butter or a little packet of uh, yeah. sugar, didn't she? She used to give this to you, yeah, to, to you, Harriet. To it, yeah. yeah. Every time she paid the rent, really? she used to give her a little... That was our landlady. That was the landlady, yeah, Mrs. Jorowitz. And, yeah, she, that was good there. And then what happened was, we must have been there about three months or more, maybe, and she started being sick. So we found out that she was pregnant. So it was... You it, were pregnant. Yes. Yeah. So it was morning sickness. Yeah. Morning sickness. And was that a surprise or were you... you... It was um, a shock. Nobody ever told me people had morning sickness yeah. every day for six months. <laughs> What happened was she kept on with this sickness and I went, I says, listen, doctors. So I took her to the doctors and she says, and my eyes have gone a funny colour. He looked and he says, she got jaundice. So she had to go into hospital. Yeah, that was yellow jaundice. That was yellow jaundice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you know, went into hospital and Mrs. Jurowich thought that she was having a baby. Yes. And he stopped, she says, I, uh, I stipulated that there was no the babies. <laughs> yeah. On account of the other uh, people, I says, yeah, well, that's all right. I said, but she's not she's got into a baby. I says, she's got this yellow jaundice. So she says, oh, she, oh, she says, that's okay. She says, just, I just thought I'd remind you. I says, yeah, that's okay. So anyhow, it was coming towards the uh, Christmas time as well. I says, well, I went out looking for somewhere and there was a Scotch couple just lived across the road. And it was, then again, it was just, I knock at the door and I talk to him, are you all right, Jimmy? You know, there's a lot of people. And I says about the, about the wife being pregnant. And they says, oh, that'd be lovely. You know, we've no weeds of our own. She says, you know, she said, you'd be welcome with a weed baby. He says, we'd love it. So I says, uh, so anyhow, after a week or so, we went across there to live there, didn't we, with them? Yeah. And um, yeah, it was good. But the, it was the top room again. So this was just, again, just a single room. Yep, just, just a single, single room. room. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And what, a shared bathroom and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. yeah, well, it was, we had the run of the house there with the Scotch people. They, they didn't mind. It's like us here now, we've got this big house, we've got a bedroom we don't use, yep. we let it off to somebody else. Yep. Well, that's what they used to do. Yeah, and just use the bathroom and everything, whatever. Yeah, and, that, and so it, it was coming towards Christmas time and we was, uh, we was going on for Christmas, weren't we? And what happened was, yeah, it was Christmas time. Our John was born in the February, so, and by this time, Essie was big. Yeah. She had to go up these stairs to, the, to our room and she got a bit uh, unsteady on her feet with that. So we decided we'd go back home. To yes. And that's what we did. And we went to my mother's and she was living in a prefabricated house then. Yeah. Yeah. And there was houses that was put up during the war. There was um, prefabricated. There's only a two-bedroom. The only supposed to last for seven years. Yeah. And it's a, it's a two-bedroom and my two sisters and my mother and our tippy, they were sleeping in one bedroom and they yeah. gave the other bedroom to me and Etty. So it was overcrowded. And th- this night, I, I, well, there's a little story about how John being born. It was snowing, thick snow and ice and she started at four o'clock in the morning. So this was labour. So the labour started at four the o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Four, yeah. Yeah. She gave me a shake and I, I, she was sat there in, in bed reading the book. Yeah. And I says, what's up? She says, give your mum a shake. She says, I think I've started. Yeah. And I thought, well, I don't think you have Etty. Not reading a book there. And I went back to sleep again. This book was one which they gave you from the clinic to know, to know all the what? systems to look for when yeah, you were pregnant. Okay. So you- <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> you didn't know that. No, I'm sitting there reading books. <laughs> so, 
So it's snowing outside. I assume you didn't have a car. So she says she gave the ultimatum at six o'clock. Either you get your mum or I get her. Yeah. So I said, oh, okay, that. So I got up. Mother got and she says, you better go and ring the ambulance, John. So I had to go get my bike out through the thick snow. You pushed, you pushed <laughs> For half a mile up the road to the telephone yeah. box because nobody has telephones no. in their houses in England and are very few. And I rang the ambulance up and that came slushing and sliding and they took Etty out and they yeah. put the back of the ambulance and off it went, skidding down the road. The men weren't allowed to go in the ambulances. Right, so you weren't allowed to go. You had to stay. Oh, no. I went in. Oh, not, not for a... No, not to say baby born and things yeah, like that, right. not them days. Yeah. And an ambulance in them days was just a whoop thing with two seats in it. Right. That was all. Yeah. And a filler. And when they took off, they had, the road was so icy, it just skidded straight across <laughs> the road. And I went flying. And this man who was in there grabbed me and stopped me from falling on the floor. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> she just got there in time to get in there and our John was born. Yeah. yeah. And I went back to bed. Mum says to me, you better go back to bed. So there's nothing you can do. And take hours. <laughs> and I did. I went back to bed. I laid there 10 to 7. My stomach rolled over. Anyhow, when I got up at 9 o'clock, I was telling my mother this, and she says, you think the baby's born, don't you? I says, well, well I says, it, it felt funny to me. You know, I just felt that. So she says, look, the first baby sometime is 24 four hours before the come. She says, Put your mind at ease, she says. Get on your bike, go down and give me a ring, see how she's going. Yeah. And I got on my bike and off I went. Down to the phone box again. Phone <laughs> box, yes, yes. Down to the, with my pennies. Through the snow. Yep, with my pennies, put my pennies in. And, yep, mother and child's doing well. Born at 10 to 7 in the morning. Wow, yeah. just yeah. when you thought. Just so when you thought. I was on my bike again, round to Etty's mother's, who lived <laughs> a bit further on, and told her the good news and made arrangements for us to go and visit her in the afternoon. Yeah. And there he is, John. John. <laughs> John. How old is John now? 63. 63 Something now. that I'm not sure. Yeah. Wow. So you're a husband and a wife and a baby in a one-bedroom. Yeah, and so when he went into the maternity hospital to have him, I was a bus conductor. Okay. Then. He used to go and collect the money for the bus fare. Yeah. Then when I went to visit her again, I was a bath grinder in a foundry. What's a bath grinder? A bath grinder. When they make the baths and they come out of the... Um, oh, these are all the cast iron baths. Yeah, cast iron yeah. baths, yeah. And then you cut all the rough edges off for the grinder. I was a bath grinder. I just to grind the edges off, off the rough edges and so I'd had a bit of uh, practice in knocking a few rough edges off of it <laughs> while, while I was there. <laughs> but she was, she was a bit tougher than steel, was Etty. Uh, yeah. And then the next time I went to see her to bring her out, I was a disinfectant labourer's labourer who used to make disinfectants. So hang on, you had all these different jobs in the space of how long? All in the space of about more or less than a week, wasn't it? Let me tell you something too. I had this baby that all of did shoved me in the ambulance. I got no hair comb, no nothing, no nothing. They took me to the hospital. And this woman came around, she was the nurse, and she says, get your hair comb, you look a right mess. <laughs> <laughs> and I says, they haven't got anything to comb it with, you know. But I'm having a baby. I don't need to have, I need yeah. to have my hair combed to have a baby. <laughs> I know that baby was born just as I got inside the hospital. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we, well, mum, her mum, mother-in-law, yeah. we went down to see it, and they just fed the babies and put them down. And, and he never saw them again. He never saw them again. <laughs> they'd take them off to the nursery, wouldn't yeah. they? And they'd stay there. Yeah. So. 
anyhow, we was coming out and was walking across this um, roadway and, and mother-in-law said to me, that's where they keep the babies in that room there. And it, it was a, well, quite a... High window. Know, so I ran and jumped and I grabbed the windowsill and I put, I was fitting well in them days. Yeah. <laughs> I pulled myself up and looked through the window and the nurse saw me and she says, what's your name? I says, Erwin. And she picked this little red-headed screaming kid up and showed me and I couldn't stop laughing. So I just laughed, 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 laughed every time I thought about him. But man, what a difference that made. Gee, it's different today, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's different today. Yeah. Sorry? Can you remember how long you stayed in hospital for? Yeah, it was a week, wasn't it? It was a week or more. It could I have been two remember. weeks. Could have been two weeks. Let me just stop you for a second. I had a stroke and no, no. I lost lots of my memories. Yeah. So when John asked me what this was, I don't remember. No. <laughs> it was about two weeks. Really? Yeah. Yeah, when he came out. Yeah. And then I was still a disinfector and labourer's. Labour, um, disinfectant stuff, blah blah blah. And one day we was one night was laid in bed, and yeah, what? that was talking, we was talking to each other. We used to do a lot of that, talking to each other. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, she'd make me laugh, I'd make her laugh. But anyhow, she says, I wonder how Nobby Clark's going on today. I said, What do you mean? She says, I wonder if he started any new jobs lately, you know. So I says. This is the bloke in Leicester. Yep. So I says, oh, just, well, I'll give him, a, I'll drop him a line tomorrow and see how, see how the land lies. Anyhow, I got a quick reply back from him. Nobby is uh, saying they've just started this new job for Norwich Union, the big insurance company in Horsefair Gate, where the information centre is. Yep. And so it just started. So that was on the Friday. I got the train. I went off. I got a place in Highfields, a room again in Highfields, and I sent you a telegram to come on the Sunday, and I met you there. Then I went down to the Norwich Union, Horsefair Street, at the, waiting there for Nobby, and Nobby came waltzing down there. And he stopped, he looked, and he see me, and he said, whoa, he says, just thinking about you. Like, that was it. So how did you feel about moving around so much, Hetty? Did you like moving to different places? All the time or? Well, we didn't move all the time. It was just that people who knew you were having a baby didn't want babies in yeah. their place. Yeah. So they'd say, well, I'm sorry, but you've got to leave now. Yeah. So we had to go and leave somewhere else. Yeah. Etty, when I, when I met her, the only place she'd been to was Blackpool. Yeah. With the works. Yeah. Yeah. And... As for anywhere else in England, she'd never, she'd never been, been anywhere. anywhere. Yeah, no. okay. And so for, for us to go to London, yeah. it's like, oh, well, whoa, That's a big thing. That's a big thing. Big change, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, from London to Leicester, like, oh, yeah. But uh, to me, just water off a duck's back, you know, I'd been here, there and everywhere. And, but when, oh, I said to her, boy, when she started talking about Australia, that got me right by the old throat, that did. So why did you want to move to Australia, Eddie? Because I wanted to move out. I used to go to this club and they used to have people come from Australia and got big talks yeah. and they would talk about the houses and what the people Oh, so they were trying to attract people to come to Australia. They was wanting people and every year they used to put programmes on the Radio, about Australia, and I got the urge. (laughs) You got the urge, and you didn't, John? You didn't want to go? No. But the kids wanted to go. The kids wanted to go, yeah. So how many kids did you have? Four? Four Four children. How did you convince John that Australia was the place? I took him. (laughs) (laughs) I took him to one of the meetings. It's it's like the scripture says, 
He was very persistent, the chappy for the bread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as it was for Australia, very persistent. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every time I used to come in the house and there was this advert comes on the television. And their kids was all excited. They all wanted to come. So you were outnumbered, John. Oh, no, the four, the little No ones. way, yeah. no way. I was dug in there, dug my feet in. Yeah. So did that, was that a challenge for you at the time? You wanted to go heady and John, you didn't. Did that cause some conflict for you? Well, you know, I, the things that we'd been through you know, earlier time, you know, like getting the house and everything for it and kids growing up in it. And we had three kids born in that house. That's yeah. all three of them born yeah. in that house. And um, it was our little castle that was. Mm. And But little did I know, it was a stepping stone to get to Australia. We used to go to the Australia Club. They used to have one of the big places in the city. used to have a speaker there. <laughs> and they'd go and get up and they would tell you everything about Australia and they would uh, try and sell stuff off, you know. It was one of them sort of places. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we used to go every week, didn't we, John? <laughs> no, what... what? <laughs> really happened was I came home from but she'd been at me for about two sessions on the television anyhow and I came home this night and she says to me will you take me to the pictures tonight and I says well where do you want to go so she says the town hall I says town hall she says yes I said well what's on there she says it's about, about Australia. Oh, that blooming place again. <laughs> I, I said, it's so, not, oh, so it wasn't said, really the pictures, it was... Uh, it was movies, was it was it? pictures. Yeah, right, okay. I said, go on then, go on then, I'll take you. Get it out of your system. I got down there and it was packed. Packed. It was packed. The and town hall. They give you this big bag of scripture, not literature. Yeah, really. literature. Brochures and all yeah, sorts of things. Brochures, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then he started off, did the bloke, he says, well, if it's any consolation to all you people standing at the back, and we turned round and the place was full. And he says, uh, we've had to turn about three to 400 people away. Wow. Yeah. And I thought, well, Australia, there must be somebody in this place. <laughs> you know, everybody here wanted to go there. It's not just Hetty. Yeah, it's not no. just Hetty. Everyone wants to go. What's happening here then? And then all the kids wanted to go too. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, we listened to the show. They did show you films and the shoulders Adelaide and the shoulders Johnny Martin's Christmas oh, pageant. Yeah. Yep. The sunshine and everything. And oh, the front. Oh, there's Hetty. Oh, that could be. <laughs> she was all excited. Yeah. So, anyhow, we, we come on from there and she tipped all the stuff out on the table and she says here it is here it is I says hey what is she says oh this is the application I said you can forget about that Eddie I said I've only seen a couple of pictures I said I want to read all them books I says yeah and then I'll see if we're going to go or not and I did. I sat down and read about them all all the different uh, states what they had to offer and I knew that if we'd gone up to Darwin she wouldn't have lasted five minutes with the heat and all that lot up there so anyhow that was all right. we used to go to for our holidays, I used to book um, a week up at Butlin's Holiday Camp. Butlin's Holiday Camp was a big camp where they had all the swings and yeah. everything for kids. All the catering was done for you. You had these chalets, which you lived in and that. And The yeah. beach. Yeah, and the beach was down by there. And they had everything for the kids, everything for the wives. Me and Etty used to do dancing a lot. We loved dancing. <laughs> What's I going to tell you about that? And so every year we used to go there and it used to give Etty a, a chance to have a holiday and yeah. myself. And anyhow, this year we went, little did we know it was our last year we was going to be there. Yeah. So how did you eventually come around, John, to...? Well, I just ran out of answers. <laughs> <laughs> And I just thought, well, that's it. And the thing was, just wasn't right where we lived at the time. Elm Street was, uh, as I put in a book, 
was a sleepy little street, Elm Street. It had all the old people that lived down there. We was the youngest. You all started dying, you all started dying, dying off. There. And then all the rubbish started coming in. There was a prostitute who had the corner house with the red light on all day long. There was the... Um, all the uh, old people started dying. <laughs> yeah, and then, then you had a merger down there. This, uh, a murder. A murder. A murder. Yes. So the whole suburb had really oh, changed. It, yeah. It yeah. We were away that weekend. We were away that weekend, yeah. yeah. To me mothers. They came over our back wall and the, it was the Joker. They called him the Joker and he, uh, he knifed his, uh, uh, some relation of his. Yeah. He died in, in old uh, Al, Arthur's, uh, Albert's um, arms, didn't he? Yeah. Mary's dad's arms. And, and yeah. luckily we was away at my mother's yeah. that weekend. So the suburb had changed a lot. Oh, and really? Yeah, really. Was that really, sort of the, really cat, the final catalyst for you to yeah. decide to move? Yeah. But I still didn't want to come to Australia. All I was waiting for was for him to come along and bulldoze that little house of ours down. It was 100 years old. Yeah. And the brickwork was as good as today, the parade No cracks, nothing in it. It's a good no. solid house. And we'd knock the middle out of it. I'd put new windows in, new fireplaces, Fireplace. new... Everything I'd plastered the windows. kitchen up and put windows in, big windows, and, and it was our little dream home. And then, Australia, Australia, Australia. <laughs> I says, Eddie, I says, Well, I've read all the books. I says, If we're going to go there, it's going to be Adelaide. And I got a job, didn't I? And so I said to her, And before we go to Australia, we're going to have. X amount of dollars in the bank. Yeah. And we'd already got a bit of a bankroll going. Yeah. But actually it never worked. So you got a job before you went. Yes. Did you yes. to get the money in the bank that John yes. wanted yes. before you left? Yes. Okay. I used to be with, working with all the old people. Yeah. Like I am now. <laughs> <laughs> going back, Eddie, when we got married, when we first got married, it was the man who went out to work and the woman stayed at home with the kids. Yes. Yeah. And that, that's yeah. how, like your mother, well, your father, he was, he was an invalid out from the First World War. You know, my father, he went out to work. He was wounded during the First World War and all. My mother stayed at home with his kids. And that's the way we brought our kids up. So, you know, mother stayed at home, father went out to work. But now it's... The world's different now, it's isn't different, it? Yeah. different. So was it unusual for you to go back to work then? Or was that not common? Yeah, that, that because she never worked. No. She, she, well, I, I say she never kids. worked. She worked hard. She worked really that. hard, yeah, unpaid, yeah. and it was an unpaid job, that working hard looking after those kids. Yeah, yes. that's right. Yep. You know, it was a job that she did, and it was a good job, and she did a real good job because I worked away from home for a lot of the times. Yeah, and the kids, yeah, they were brought up like we were brought up. Your, your pleases and your thank yous and your yeses and your noes, you know. Your no was no, yes was yes, and you did as you were told. The yep. kids were made to be seen and not heard and yes. all that sort of thing. They were sent to bed at a certain time and they yeah. went to bed. And, and also in our courting days, I had to open your home at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. 10 o'clock was <laughs> 18, and. Good on that, isn't it? And uh, yeah, I had to have air home at 10 o'clock. So what year did you move to Australia? 70, 1970. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So had you had gone back to work, you'd saved up enough money. What happened? No, that's going back to that, yeah. So I said to her, we're going to have a certain amount of money in the bank. I said, so that we can go out there. If we don't like it, we've got enough money to get us back and that's it, we start again. I agree. I wasn't a religious man. I, I was a sailor. I drank, I smoked, I swore, I did everything. Everything that you should do. Um, but never spoke about religion, did we? In the house between us. Etty had her way. 
And she did, wanted the kids to go to Sunday school and all that lot, which she learned to do, and she used to take them and that sort of thing. But we never, never spoke about it. But since I've come to the Lord, I've known from that day on that he's had his hand on us all, all the way through our marriage because things that have happened really shouldn't have happened. And we've got there, didn't we? Mm, yeah, only this last bit. <laughs> You know, I've loved Etty from the first day I met her. I tell her I love her nearly every day. I do every day. I tell her I love her. How important is that, do you think? How important is it? Is it to tell each other that you love each other every day? Look, I've never forgot what Etty is. What She's my wife. I love her. I've loved her from the start. Because I'm beautiful, John. Etty, (laughs) you've always been beautiful in my eyes. Never mind. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah, there's just something about you that... I just love. Hmm. I always love you, Ed. Always. Have you? <laughs> That's good anyway. I've always took her a cup of tea up in bed in the morning. And uh, this is even when we was in England. And I used to go out at six in the morning and I used to take her a cup of tea up in bed. I found out she never drank it. <laughs> but I still, but I still used to take her a cup of tea up. And I still take her a cup of tea in, and sometimes two cups of tea in bed in the morning now. <laughs> when the first one's gone cold, I've took her another one in. And I've always made her a cup of chocolate on a night before she goes to bed. <laughs> I, always, I always wake her with a big kiss and tell her I love her. And we always go to bed, but as she comes and gives me a big kiss. Yeah. And I tell her I love her. We always do things with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And how important is that, do you think? When you see couples who get into trouble, often they do their own things. They're not as together as much as it sounds like you two are. Well, I've always felt that John did what he wanted to do and I just went along with him. And that's how I've always felt about it, that he's the head of the house and um, (laughs) I'm the little squirrel. (laughs) I know. Listen, I I look after everything. I look after the things and what's in the house and and, uh, you go to work and bring the money home and I spend it. That's good. A quick plug for another podcast called Revival on the Air Today. Listen to interviews with people from all around the world who've experienced amazing miracles. People set free miraculously from anxiety, depression, cancer, broken relationships, drug addiction, anorexia, glaucoma, the list goes on and on. You can find Revival on the Air Today on the podcast app you're listening on right now whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, etc. Plus, you can follow on Facebook and Instagram too. Just search for Revival on the Air today. So how did you decide who did what in the house or was it just? Yeah, well, it's always been the same. You shouldn't really say it, but the woman's place is in the kitchen. Saying that, I mean, Etty did all the washing up, just got the kids to do it and then in the end taught them how to do it. And uh, she used to do all the cooking, all the baking, beautiful baker, beautiful, well, cooking. The first meal she made me, well, it wasn't a meal. This is when we first went into Dura Witches. Oh, okay, the, the right? lady. And the I started house, work. Yep. yep. And I started work for the first time. Yep. And I came home and Etty <laughs> brought me out a bowl of mushroom soup. I love mushrooms. Mushroom soup. And she put this bowl of mushroom soup in front of me. And I got sick and I thought, and all that good like. And uh, it was a tin of mushrooms soup. I says, okay, thanks, thanks very much. Like, you know, but no, like, so they shoved it away. And, and so we kept talking. And so I says, no, so where's, where's my dinner then? So she says, that was it. 
<laughs> I says, pardon? She says, that, that was it. I said, what? My dinner? I said, no, my meat, my taches, my... So she says, that's what we used to have. I says, Eddie, I don't care what you used to have. I said, but don't you ever put another tin of soup in front of me for my meal, all right? I says, meat, potatoes, Yorkshire pudding, the lot. So anyhow, the next night I went home and she baked, she cooked, and she brought me dinner out. I said, I've got a, I said, I've got a barrow. And on the Yorkshire pudding, I wrote R-I-P. Rest in peace. <laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. I said, did your mother ever teach it? She says, no, she didn't. So what did you think when John told you your Yorkshire pudding was terrible? Well, we was both from a different sort of household. Yeah. See that picture up there? Yeah. That's me. Yeah. And John's, his, he had a father who uh, died when he was only five, oh, was he five? No, 15. He's at 14 when he died. And he was a kingpin, was his father. He went to Buckingham Palace to get things from the government for what he did. He got a medal. He got a medal. Oh, well, he got a medal. Yeah. And all these sorts of things. And whenever he used to talk about his father, he used to really enjoy it. And he used to say, my dad did it. My dad did it. And he used to think, he loved his dad. Yeah. Whereas my dad was a bit of a, you sit down and you don't move. And one day we had a dinner and I, what they call it, and I had a book on the chair and I was looking at it. And my dad sprinkled all sugar over my dinner. That was the sort of father I had. So you both grew up in different households. Different, and so very then, different. And so then you had obviously different upbringings and different expectations around dinner and other things. So how did you work that out? So John's expecting his meat and potatoes and amazing Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> yeah. And Hetty's cooking mushroom soup for dinner. <laughs> How did you reconcile that? He won. <laughs> my mother helped her out there a lot with the different things. Your your mum did, John. Yeah. Sorry, your mother. My mother. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When we, we, we went back. We lived with them that, for yeah, tomorrow. That was the first time we went to Leicester. Yeah. And we went back to stay with my mother. Yeah. And but then you had problems there, didn't you? Because you yeah. tried cooking on the oil stove because mum was using the cooker, and that was a failure. But anyhow, mum gave you a few tips and things and one thing or another. Mm, and yeah. uh, she just got from bad to worse. I mean, from, <laughs> from bad to being What I'm trying to say better. was in those days, you had school dinners and people who didn't have any money had a Saturday dinner as well. So that's what we used to have. We used to have school dinners every single day. And even in the holidays, Christmas. you went to uh, schools where they put dinners out for people. Etty's family, a father who was in the First World War, he was gassed and then he was blown up and they threw him back in the front, didn't they, again? And he was, he was really crook. He couldn't work. He could only work um, in the summertime because he suffered with his chest with being gassed. But in the end, he just couldn't work at all. But Albert was in the... In the position where my father, he was in the First World War, he was wounded in the eye, he lost an eye, but you couldn't tell. But it's always worked, it's always worked, and we wanted for nothing. And we used to always have our holidays. It was only for a week, but it used to get us all a a, a railway ticket where we could go to any seaside for a week. We used to be packed up with my mother. My mother and father used to come with us. 
and all his kids used to go with him, them that wasn't working. Whereas it is, they had to fend for themselves, more or less. His father and mother used to live in a caravan, and they had um, they had your Freddie, your Harry, Harry. your Lena, your Dolly, your Mary, and Leslie was born. He was the first one born in a house. house. So before that, you all lived in a caravan, did you? Yeah, there were seven. Well, I wasn't alive. In a seven in a <laughs> I caravan. I wasn't alive. Yeah, and the stories I heard from them all is where they had this lean to as well. So off the caravan. To, where they used to sleep, I don't know. <laughs> Boys and girls do a lot. Must be done. The father, to me, it sounded like tinkers, you know, the old gypsies. Yeah. He used to burn wire, you know, to get the copper and, and weigh it all in to get extra money and this yeah. sort of thing. And they really lived it rough, really. But then they got the uh, council house, and that's when Leslie was born in the council house. And, yeah, first uh, one. But they had a nice house afterwards, so... People did it tough back then, didn't, didn't they? Just cook. A lot yeah, of people yeah. did it tough back then. Yeah. 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 Well, let's just show you. There was Freddie, Harry, Lena, Mary, Dolly, Leslie, Arthur, Harriet, Jean and Colin. So that's ten. Ten kids in the family. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And my father couldn't work. Yeah. My father always used to tell me, don't buy second hand, buy it new, because you're only buying other people's troubles. Right. As I always told, always stuck in my mind. And during the war, my father built a bungalow to go and sleep there on the night, because we used to sleep in the area shelters all the time. And I used to help him. And I didn't know my father for very long, but what he taught me has always stuck with me, and it's always... Good stuff. Uh, yeah, and I did a poem about that, and he, he guided me along, and he always told, always told me about the foundation of a thing. That is the main thing, the foundation. It's with marriage, it's with a building, Yeah. and you always build up that, and that's what I've always tried to do. And so what do you think the foundation of a good marriage is? The foundation of the marriage is, oh, look... You don't argue, you talk about a thing. Yeah. We've always talked, haven't we? Yeah. We've had, uh, you know, if somebody had told me that I was going to be in a front room and see and see my first, first eldest daughter born, you know, yeah. on our own at four o'clock in the morning, nobody else around, and go in there and see this little head popping out. And oh, so this was not your first child, John. So this was your second. Oh, second, Yvonne. Was she born at home? Yeah, she yes. wasn't Was oh, she really? Yeah, this is this was in when we first we just got our, our first little dream home, which was a blooming wreck and ruin of a wreck and ruin of a place that we'd done together and got together and made it a home, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, she was born at home. And I brought the bed down from upstairs down into the front room and first it of the of our our body. Yvonne, yeah. And it was four o'clock in the morning again, starting thick snow and ice, no bike. But to walk up the street to <laughs> to uh, Umberston Road, up to the telephone box. And I rang up and this bloke got up, oh, I got the wrong number. So I rang again and got the midwife. I said, look, the wife's having this baby and she's on its way like, so she says, is my partner there? I says, no. So she says, oh, she's will be there in a minute. I walked back home, gets home. And as I walked in through the front door, there was Etty with the legs and the little head coming out. Little head popping out. I stayed there with her. BBA. So you were there by yourself? Right. Yes. Wow. So I, so I stayed there with her. And I'll tell you what, it's a good job. I was at the bottom of the bed. Did she come out quick? 
<laughs> she really did, yeah. She, she you're, like, you're like a goalkeeper. No, I didn't kick sucker. <laughs> slippery little sucker. You'd never caught her, but bad wow. she's now. And she was clean as a whistle. Yeah, right. Yeah, wow. And a little girl. Yeah. Wow. So you were talking before about foundations is really important. So what do you think the foundation of a good marriage is? So you, I think you mentioned before about talking things through, not arguing. Yes. You make the decision in the end, but you talk about it. But if whatever problem comes up, and, you know, we've had our problems and we've, we've sat and, and some of the problems can be as big as a mountain, you know, if you don't talk about them. We've had our problems, but we've, we've spoken about them and we've got over them and look, you know. that. What about other things, John? Look, I mean, you talk no, about. I just love her that much. The doctors tell me I've got to go and have this respite. And they've told me to boat her backside out, you know. And so, yeah. I, I went up to for my daughters for a week. I missed her. <laughs> I was worse on my own than it was for me to with me. I just sort of have the trouble in that with me because she's not trouble. It's a hard thing to explain. Love's a thing. So if you're giving a young couple advice, young couple who was just getting married, what would you tell them that they had to make sure that they did every day? Oh, to young couples. Look, you've got to learn to crawl before you can walk. And, you know, for young couples these days, you can't have a new car, you can't have a new house, you can't have new this, you can't have new that. You're ready for the rocks. You know, you're a ship without lights and you're not steaming ahead. Yeah. You've got to sit down and talk about it. You know, I'll say about something and let you say, well, do we really need it? And I say, well, we don't do it. So she said, no, well, why buy Buy it. Yeah. So I said, that's fair enough. And every time we go out, I'll always say to her, if there's anything you want, get it. And, you know, if, if you want it, get it. Not meaning yeah, I've got to have that because it's there. But what you need, not what you want, that's what good. you need. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. Like these things. See these? I made these. I made, I crocheted them. I got, I learned how to crochet and I started doing it and I did all sorts of things. Yeah. And uh, even baskets, I don't know if you can see a little green what one on the fridge. With the flowers on top. Yeah. 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 And I just learned to do things from books and yeah. reading and things like that. Yeah. Nobody taught me how to do these. Yeah. What other things do you think young couples need to do every day in their marriage? You mentioned before how you tell... Hedy, you tell each other every day that you love, love each it. other. I love right? it. That's important. He always gives me a kiss before we go to bed. It's not only that. Yeah. I'll kiss her any time. But, yeah, you know, she said, what's that for? And I say, because I love you, Eddie. And she said, how do you know you love me? I said, I know. It's in there. I know I love you. You've got to appreciate Live with yeah. each other. your wife, you know. Yeah, there's another thing. I mean, I we... never go off with somebody. And That's the thing. Trust. Yeah. You've got to have that trust. Yeah. Now, look, that's something I never had at the beginning. As I say, I had two birds, two girlfriends. And the both this is before Hetty, yeah. And I had so, But when I met Hetty, I just knew it was just there. And for me to go away and work somewhere else, you know, leave her, then I knew that, you know, she'd be true to me. She's that type of girl. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, wow, what a yeah. great story. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Well, thank you so both very much for spending some time talking about your amazing life and your amazing stories. That's um, only part of it. We could probably sit here all day and talk about <laughs> yeah, that's right. we, Well, we've had 
64 years to cover from a marriage perspective. Yeah, I imagine true. what's happened in 64 years. I know, but I'm only 25. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, praise the Lord. Thank you so much. What a great episode. And it was definitely worth listening to the whole episode to hear their story. If you're married today or thinking about getting married, I challenge you not to aspire to be like John and Hetty. And (laughs) after so many years, just to have that love for them, for each other. I love the way that John, when he describes Hetty and when he describes meeting her and he describes who she is today, you can just hear in his voice the absolute admiration and love that he has for her. It's so sweet. It's so sweet. It is. And I love how when he used to lead choruses, he'd blow kisses to Hetty from the stage. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I love it too. Anyway, you've got a scripture for us. I do. When I was going through the editing process on the episode and listening to John and how lucky he thinks he is. It made me think of this scripture in Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 10 that says, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he will have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. Further on it says, She considereth a field and by it. With the fruit of her hands she planted a vineyard. Strength and honour are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. It really does describe who Hetty is, doesn't it? It does. Mm. She's a legend. She is a legend. Yeah, just think, I planted a veggie patch and it's now dead. You might need to read Proverbs 31. All right, that's enough silliness. Time for us to go. You can find all of the episodes on your favourite podcast app or on the website, he says, she says, God says, dot com. Social media included, Insta, Facebook, Twitter, all of those. Everywhere. Until next time, he says. She says. God says. Are you recording now? Yep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but see, I'll take all of that out, right? No, that'll all, yeah, dis- yeah, that'll yeah, all disappear. Right, uh, I can see you used to check me out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you two kissing and smooching across the table. <laughs> that's why she sits, sits there watching. Yeah. Falling over. Okay. Uh, g'day, Ben, day Ben, day Ben. Testing, testing, testing. Right. One, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one. Test You've done this before, haven't you? <laughs> in the Navy. <laughs> test, test, test. <laughs> test, test, test. What all were you testing in the Navy? Really? Well, that was, that was the, uh, the, the intercom all the way through the ship. Yeah. B- before they used to go off, they said, testing, testing. Yeah.